On Your Neighbor Is, we aim to bring you the stories of everyday people and their creative pursuits and passions. We pass by so many people in our daily cycles and don't always get to know the ones who are around us. So on our podcast, we want to highlight some of these people, people that could even live on your same block, as we push our slogan, Get to Know Your Neighbors. Welcome to our podcast. This is Your Neighbor Is. My name is Brian. My name is Gabe. And we are your hosts. How you doing, Gabe? Not too shabby. Kind of a rainy day here in Jersey, but you know, it's fine. It's chill. I know, yeah. It's supposed to rain tonight. Uh, nice oh, and day. you're back in Jersey in case the, the listeners didn't know. Exactly, yeah. So for the people that haven't been immediately turned off by my change in sound quality, <laughs> you're still, and you're still with us. Thank you. <laughs> our our guy, sound back. guy, Joe, is behind the boards just, like, in pain. He's frantic right now. I almost told him run out and get this new mic now. Anyway, just kidding. Yeah, I'm back in Jersey, back in the homeland. It feels great. And we got a very special guest here today, also from Jersey, the artist by the name of Physics. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. No doubt. Of course. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So as I mentioned, you're also a Jersey boy and, you know, you're kind of, I was really excited to have you come on the show because you're definitely the first artist like yourself to be on here. You know, we've had rappers, we've had designers, we've had visual artists, we've had singers, multi-instrumentalists, but you're the first real, I mean, I'll want to get your description, but you're the first real sort of guitar driven whatever you want to call it, rock musician on here. So really excited to talk to you. Absolutely. Glad to be here and super glad to be on this podcast in particular. It's um, I'm always looking for local guys to connect with. So when I stumbled across your podcast page on Instagram, I was excited that this was uh, two hosts from Jersey. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Got to keep it in the family. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, speaking of which, that's kind of a good segue because something we do usually to kick things off in step with our overall theme of the neighborhood. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing, your community growing up, what it was like, and maybe if there was anything you can remember or pinpoint in that experience that sort of led you to the path of music and made you want to be a musician? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised, same house in. Uh the middle of nowhere, Warren County, New Jersey, super agricultural town. When people um, like in the tri-state area ask me where I'm from, I say the Lehigh Valley because like I basically grew up spending a lot of my time right across the river in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I went to high school there, did my first year of college out there and everything. So yeah, the, the town or I guess like technically it's a village of like 323 people where I grew up, super remote. You have to drive everywhere. You can't walk to anything. I loved it in terms of I just I had a lot of time and I just had to focus kind of naturally on something because, you know, we had like dial up growing up. So it's not like I could pluck around on the Internet too much. So I just kind of had to find something to do. And I was always I just gravitated towards music when I was young. I got super into it for like a year and then put it aside. But then when I was about 11 or 12, I started getting into the drums and then I just started 
collecting vinyl and listening to that all the time. And then it was guitar after that for me. And yeah, it's pretty funny. I decided kind of on my own, just even before I was taking guitar lessons at the local music shop, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This music shit's crazy. I just like <laughs> had it in my mind, but I got super lucky for a kid that grew up like in the sticks in the Lehigh Valley, like especially once you cross over into PA, there's just really an amazing community of performers, especially um, I found myself in this jazz scene in the Delaware Water Gap. There's just a really vibrant jazz scene. So I just grew up taking lessons with all those guys and met a bunch of other kids that were into it. And yeah, just been keeping at it since really. Sounds pretty awesome. That's awesome. That's really cool coming from like the jazz background too. Would you say that that, I don't know. I mean, your music is very unique, you know, and it's not, as I was saying earlier, not really, especially with like guitar driven music these days, we're so past the classic like rock, rock and roll, whatever. And even saying something like indie, I feel like can be a little, you know, doesn't paint the whole picture. But would you say you kind of keep that jazz influence and what you learn there in your sort of song structure and maybe your guitar tone and stuff like that? Yeah, it's definitely a major influence. Stuff I learned from all these great jazz musicians definitely makes its way into my performances and my recordings every day, whether or not I'm cognizant of it. But I'd say overall, the biggest thing growing up in the jazz community for me, Vijay Iyer, this great jazz pianist, puts it well. He considers jazz more of an approach and a mindset than like a genre. And sure. I really connect with that because I do feel like a jazz musician. I mean, you can't really escape it. Like when I'm on stage, when I'm in the studio, there's this this electricity, this kind of capturing of lightning, which I'm always after. So like with my music, you know, last year when we were playing shows out on the reg, I would always, even if the arrangements were pretty locked in, there's still this certain energy and this synergy within the bands that you absolutely learn from playing jazz. This kind of hyper attentiveness i like to describe it being in the eye of the storm and you know you have that in every genre all great performers have it but for me how i got into that groove and how i got exposed to that level of performance was through the jazz community so if nothing else that for me has been what i carry into this current project for sure yeah that's really interesting and i agree i mean i played in jazz band in middle school so I think you definitely have more experience than me, but I think that Eye of the Storm is completely accurate. You're in it, and you have to make these choices about, okay, you know, where do I go with this solo, maybe, or where do we go with this groove, with this vamp? And, you know, I feel like it's seen maybe as this sort of untouchable academic sort of thing, at least maybe to the common player, and it's really not that. I think any guitarist would definitely benefit from learning kind of those things and certainly all of the music theory that you learn from playing jazz just makes you a better player period so 100 percent, yeah so i guess when you start doing that that's when you picked up electric guitar was that sort of your first love or were there any other instruments you sort of touched on on the way before landing on the guitar yeah it's funny i when i was really young like four or something i remember begging for an acoustic guitar and I got one for Christmas. I specifically remember never being able to keep it in tune, like the tuners on it were wonky. So I, mm. I ended up just 
totally forgetting about it. I forgot I even had it until years later. But then after that, I was obsessed with hip hop as a kid. Mm. So I begged my parents who are, they're pretty conservative folk. So they were very much against anything hip hop related. They saw it as just not the best influence for young Joey to have in his mind. But I, th- that, just <laughs> made, that just made me love it even more. Like I go over to my cousin's house. Of course. And I would just be like, yo, give me CDs, like burn whatever you got. I don't even, I don't care who the artist is. I just want to take it home and listen to it like shamefully I in the corner, it, corner of my room. <laughs> I need it, <Right>. man. <laughs> yeah, it was a tantalizing time for sure. But I, I begged my parents for a set of one and twos. I was like, yo, I want a DJ. This was like a six-year-old kid. <laughs> I, I was like yo i need some audio techniques like i need this and they were like no <laughs> and so um, like you can't even lift that deck now. <laughs> right and oh man i can't imagine being my parents like listening to my demands as a child but anyway <laughs> they i i was relentless with it and i made them take me to the local music store And I told the guys, like the salesman, what I wanted. And they're like, yeah, like that'll cost you whatever it is, like $1,200. I don't think you're ready for that, little child. But (laughs) they suggested to my parents that I get like this. It's made by Yamaha. I still have it. I've been trying to sell it. It's like a little standalone unit that has like a little CD on it that you can kind of scratch with. And it has some built-in effects. Mm. Oh, nice. Anyway, that was the first thing that I spent a lot of time with. Like, I just went nuts. I just had that thing playing for hours on end. And I just got obsessed with it probably for six to eight months, which for a young kid is a lifetime. But anyway, that, that, that was the first time I remember connecting, like with making music, even if it was all being done, basically not by me. I was still excited. I got to press the buttons. But then that went away. And I kind of just was focused on being a kid playing sports and stuff but then when i was 11 or 12 my cousin wasn't using his drum set anymore so he was like hey do you want to just borrow it and i was like yeah sure why not i took it home and then i don't even remember what happened i just got obsessed with it so i played drums before guitar like on any kind of level and yeah i just went bananas with it i would just practice all the time and then that just got me into all the rock bands like i got into U2, Zeppelin, Hendrix, and I'd say about nine months, a year after I was practicing drums regularly, I started getting into the guitar. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that certainly makes sense. Coming from the hip-hop background, you know, what was so instrumental in the creation of hip-hop, the drum set, you know, drum. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody we had on the previous episode was McNair, a producer, and Mm. she also mentioned using some like not a toy but you know a kind of child's introduction oh, it was like a, to... wasn't it like a karaoke machine right exactly yeah, yeah 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 so that i think was a little less serious than what you were working with but it really is like those intro sort of pieces of equipment can really lead out to moving up to the serious stuff and i mean that's probably a pretty retro piece so the fact that you still have it is pretty cool yeah it's amazing what gets you hooked and it's definitely a good indicator of like, I can imagine being a parent and, you know, your kids have all these interests that come and go, but if you get them something and they're just really drawn to something about it, like my sister's a great visual artist and you would just give her anything and she'd just be gone for hours drawing. So it's the same thing. It's, 
be it crayons, be it the karaoke machine, like they're great. You can start on them. Yeah, definitely. And so do you think the turntable and the drums and then picking up the guitar, like have you kind of incorporated elements of all those different genres and instruments into like the music you make now? Yeah, definitely. When I'm putting songs together, some people have a more specific approach, but I always just try to attack a song wherever the inspiration is. Like whatever I get excited about, it could be a sample, it could be a sample of my own playing, it could be a, a drum loop, a little guitar riff, just a iTunes voice memo. It doesn't matter as long as it's something that I'm excited about and I can kind of I get excited to make the rest of the song around it. Right. It, doesn't matter where the inspiration comes from and yeah it's definitely fun like now i mean i just feel like a kid in a candy shop because i think back to when i was younger and like dreamed of having the stuff i have now but just having like a drum set and i have like you know one turntable and my guitars around it's just it's awesome yeah you got like free range to toy around with everything and just create whatever you have in your head absolutely but at the same time it's amazing how talk to a lot of my friends that are creative as well like we're older now and we have all this shit we dreamed about when we were kids, but we still like find ourselves just wasting so much time, especially during the pandemic. Everyone's at home, just like on YouTube or Instagram, just scrolling for hours. It's like, man, the younger versions yeah. of ourselves would just be like so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Please, you don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> and you're so right. But, you know, at the same time, it's cool that at least for you, from listening to your music, it seems like you're definitely not doing like a rap rock type thing, but it does sound like you still have that sort of influence of the production and the DJing into what you're doing. And would you say that's something consciously you sort of carry when you're like making the Dalai Lama EP or anything else? Just kind of remembering that more sort of hip hop background? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a conscious thing, but I would say like when I go down to write or produce out the individual songs themselves. But for the Dalai Lama EP, before I had, you know, really started putting those songs together, I was thinking like, oh, should I just put out singles? Should I put an album out and call it the debut? Should I make an EP? And I was like, oh, I'll make an EP. That feels right. And then like working on it for a few months, one day I actually Googled why it's called an EP. And it's apparently because it's an extended play. Looking back on people that have done it before, it's typically versions of songs that are like more experimental or just longer. Might have some stuff that appears on a, a later collection in a different form. And I was like, oh, that's perfect because before the Dalai Lama EP, I mean, that was the first release I put out as physics. And I was just like, man, I don't, I don't want to like put myself in a corner. So I definitely want to experiment with all the different areas that mean a lot to me so like the last track on the song is called the trail and that's basically a country song and like the first song on the album is kind of just a sweet love song but then there's one called the bump on there which is you can definitely hear the hip-hop influence like it's just like centered around the 808 and the other synth drums and it's heavy like that but then there's like the kind of u2 and indie rock thing on some of the other tracks so yeah it was definitely a fun time to really wrap my head around not only what directions I want to focus on for future projects, but also kind of just set the tone. Like I feel like coming off of the Dalai Lama EP, it sets me up. I feel like I can make like three or four different albums, all kind of in a different direction. And people could point back to the EP and be like, oh, it's like 
it's off of that track. Like he was experimenting with that three years ago already. If that makes sense. Right. So it was like the inspiration behind the Dalai Lama EP to basically just play around with all these different ideas and just show that you can do all these different styles. Like that's really what the concept behind it was. I guess so. Looking back on it, when I was doing it, it was much more of a manic thing. I was just kind of finishing up college and I went to school for jazz guitar performance with a minor in poetry. So <laughs> I kind of knew I was going to need a day job. So like I got one and everything, <laughs> but just kind of that looming in my head, like, shit, I'm going to be working like in an office or something. Right. And it made me reevaluate how I was spending my time because I was like, man, I have this limited window. Like I'm at work for eight or nine hours. You got to sleep for six. You got to take care of yourself. So it's really, it's a limited window. It's like, if you're being super disciplined and efficient, you got like six hours a day. Yeah. If you're like not saying hi to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, I used to just practice guitar five or six hours a day in college. And I was like, man, I can't do that and have a fruitful artistic career in the way that I want. So mm -hmm. for me, like coming out of college, I was really coming to terms with my time is limited. Unfortunately, what's most important to me coming out? Like, do I just want to keep practicing guitar and hoping that the phone rings and I get a call to go on tour with some jazz guys? Do I want to be more behind the scenes? And I decided I was like, man, honestly, what I want to do is just like have my own projects. I want to play rock shows, but I want to do it in in my way, like I want to do it in a way that's authentic to the range of my influences, which is right. awesome. Cause I think, I mean, with Spotify, one of the great things about Spotify is that I feel like, especially a lot of high schoolers and younger, they just grow up without the stigma of, oh, you're that kid. Like you're the kid that listens to heavy metal. You're the kid that listens to hip hop. I feel like our generation, but even especially people that are younger than us are just totally down with whatever goes hard. Yeah which is like my approach to making shit. So that works out. <laughs> yeah, true. I guess you can cater to almost any fan base, really. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's a really good point because actually just who we were speaking to last week, Nabil, a designer, mm. he said something very similar to that. Yeah, he's a graphic designer and, you know, it came from more of a hip hop sort of, that's what he was interested in. But over the years, you know, listening to rock bands, listening to stuff like that, and just sort of incorporating that into his designs. And I think you're completely right. You know, at least where Gabe and I grew up, obviously, you know, kids will be kids. But for the most part, people were listening to whatever. I was doing like the musicals and stuff like that and still being a big hip hop head. And mm. on the flip side, you know, rappers were listening to metal and listening to rock bands and stuff like that. And it's really cool to not shut yourself off to anything. You know what I mean? Because totally. I feel like that's kind of, if you're starting out as an artist, then why should you build a wall to something before even doing it? I feel like if you build up this image of, oh, this is who I have to be, and this is the tone I have to set out, and this is what my music needs to sound like, it's not going to be as good as if you just hopped in the studio and messed around and figured out something you were happy with. Yeah. And I think also when you're when you're creating music, if you're experimenting with all these sounds and styles, it opens you up to like a way bigger audience than if you just like determined like, okay, I'm like a nineties grunge rock style artist and that's it. You're limiting yourself to a small market as opposed to, you know what, I'm gonna dabble with everything and then 
people from all these different communities can pick up something from it that they like. Yeah, completely. And I loved what you said, Joe, about using the Dalai Lama EP as sort of a jumping off point and being like, oh, wow, he's dabbling in a lot of different stuff. Because when I was listening to it earlier this week, and I also spun it again this morning, I was really sort of picking up on that. Starts off a certain way. First couple songs are kind of in the same vibe, same tone. And then moving through the EP, it certainly reaches that sort of crescendo more towards the end. And I thought it was really cool, you know, to use a project like that just to dabble in a lot of different things. But I never felt like, whoa, is this like a different artist? Like, who is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. I still had that common thread like, oh, wow, this is physics. And he's trying out different things. And even like specifically starting with the beginning of the EP, DL1, California, and then into like, tell your mama what you did. You know, <laughs> that one is just like a real, seriously, it's like a real rocker. And also just like your vocals too. Very laid back earlier in the EP. And then you're just different delivery, different sort of rhythm. And, yeah. you know, I thought that was dope that you didn't sort of think, oh, I can't put a song like this on the EP, whatever, because I feel like that's your way to, to really like make your own stamp and set yourself out. And I thought it was just a great project overall. So it was cool to hear you kind of validate what I was thinking with saying, oh, this could potentially be my jumping off point to projects down the road. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, man. I'm glad you dug it and you were picking up on that. And um, yeah, once I had the songs together, I mean, I'm always thinking about puns because I'm corny like that. But I was like, man, what am I going to call this <laughs> thing? And I went with the Dalai Lama EP and I spelled Dolly like the artist's name, the painter's name. Right. Because yeah, I was definitely I wanted to invoke like originally I had two ideas for the album artwork and I'm super happy still. I think it's about a year and a half, two years after with the one we went with. It's just like a llama made out of these just like different, a like triangles and shapes. Yeah. Yeah. Just different kind of hard shapes. And I love it. But the other idea I had for it was kind of like Dolly's paintings of like the elephants where they have those crazy long legs and then right. kind of the regular bodies. I was thinking about doing that, but I was like, no, let me just go. Like, I'm just like setting up the map of where I might go as physics. Let me just go with this clear visual and then just go with the pun and invoke Dolly in the name of it to kind of tie it all together. Like, it's kind of surreal. Anything goes, but it all has to like feel good in that kind of psychedelic sense of if it feels good, it works. I like that. It's a cool totally. inspiration. And, yeah. And yeah, it's like if it feels good, it works. Because if it feels good, it probably feels natural, you know, and you don't feel like out of your comfort zone or something like that. And if you're able to sort of, okay, this is who physics is as an artist, and that means I'm going to do all these different things, then yeah, yeah, you know, it's dope. So I guess something I always like to talk about, especially with music, is kind of like the gear and kind of how you created what you created and knowing what we talked about before we started this discussion, being kind of like a studio first musician, this is kind of a passion project for you. And then when you played shows, kind of putting that group together and setting them up, how did you go about recording this EP or anything previously? And because it sounds great. I know from your biography on Spotify, you're talking about recording in your bedroom and stuff like that. 
so yeah, I mean, what what was your process sort of for, okay, I got these ideas, I got these songs, now I want to, you know, quote, put them on wax. How did you go about rigging the session? Yeah, so I'd say with the core of this project for me was this one track that came out as a single, Fire, and then Tell Your Mama What You Did, and then this this third song as well, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Car. Those three were kind of like the center of the project. Those three songs, I had them mostly written basically in their final form by like somewhere around junior year of college. And up to that point, I was just like, I'm just an instrumentalist. Like I just practice. And then I was like, I'm just going to be a songwriter. And I was very timid to identify even as that out of loyalty to the instruments that I came up playing. I, I feel like this intense obligation to spend as much time as possible just developing my skills on the instruments. So for me, it was it was a really big step even going to being a songwriter. And then when I couldn't find anyone to sing my shit, realizing that I was going to have to be <laughs> a vocalist as well, which was like still terrifying, but especially when I was first starting out, I was like, are you serious? Like, you're actually going to do this? But anyway, so <laughs> coming from that very, I had these limitations just in my own mindset that I had on myself at the time, I was like, all right, I'll write the songs, but then like, I don't want to bother with recording. I'm just going to go to a studio and record. So I was in college at the time and I was, I would just like hit up the guys that I was buddies with in like the music tech program. And they'd be like, yeah, I have some free studio time. Come down, lay some shit down. And I was doing that. And like the fidelity of the recordings was high enough, but I was never satisfied with them. It wasn't, I was like, I don't want to put this out. This doesn't feel like me yet. So very long story short, just by like doing some more of those sessions and then slowly just recording on my own with like really cheap gear and my friend's gear, I just kind of came to the realization like, damn, I'm going to have to like learn about how to record myself well at home and invest in this shit. So I remember this one winter break, I just called my parents. I was like, yeah, I can't really come home. I can come home like just I'll be home on the 24th and then I'm leaving on the 25th. Like I got <laughs> I got this restaurant gig. I'm just like. I'm doing delivery and I got to make money because I got to buy a laptop. And they were like, you have a laptop. I was like, no, I need one for music. All right. See you, see you on like Christmas Eve. Right. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I just worked like 20 days straight, got a bunch of overtime. And that's how I before that, I was making it through college on like this tiny ass netbook. Like I'm a grown ass man. I'm six feet tall <laughs> with like nor- normal size hands. And I was like it was looks like a toy in front of me. And so like, that wasn't going to cut it for recording shit in real time. So I like, I just like put all that money towards just like a laptop, went with like MacBook, whatever. And then it just started from there. Then I saved up for the recording software. Then I saved up for like a basic interface. And then I started recording and nothing was in time because I had a really cheap interface. So then Mm. I had to like get another third job to save up for a better interface so I could like record in real time. So super gradual, probably took like way longer than if I actually just asked one of my friends in audio tech, like, hey, how do I do this? But to this day, it's a pretty basic setup. Whenever I upgrade shit, it's honestly to buy like more instruments because that's where my heart's at for sure. Yeah. I love the the commitment to getting all the gear. Like working to 20 days straight and picking up like other jobs just to to get the next piece of the setup that's awesome and i know that for me too now having like my own home studio setup that it's definitely a different feeling recording yourself on your own as opposed to being in the studio setting 
because you just you feel like you have more free range to do what you want to do kind of like there's Mm -hmm. almost like this pressure you feel when you go to a studio and you're there with the engineer that you gotta like Mm. you know you gotta get the take perfect within the limited time slot you have or else you're like wasting your time and money there Mm. so yeah you you gotta maximize and really hit the ground running and just yeah, you know, obviously you got somebody lending their time, you're paying them, so you feel like you want to get your money's worth and you also want to get their money's worth. But yeah, having the home setup just allows you to sit back and sort of sit with these ideas a little more. Yeah, for sure. I also wanted to ask, I don't think we touched on it yet, how did you go with the name Physics? Where did that come from? For a couple reasons. I'd say the main thing is, like, I had just a rotating list of band names that like me and my buddies would use for like little gigs we would get throughout high school and physics was one of them and then when I was like all right I gotta like pick a name to put on this cassette I was like I just I couldn't decide like logically which one made the most sense Mm -hmm. so I, I just like read them out loud and the one that like sounded best to me like I liked the sound of the word is the one I went with so I went with physics and then I spelled with the f instead of the ph because my name's Yosef and that's like J-O-S-E-F instead of the P-H. Mm. So I was like, oh, that- oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, that works. And, you know, I save a dollar on a letter for all the T-shirts I'm going to print. <laughs> so, like, it's a helpful <laughs> thing. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's cool, though. Checkers. <laughs> all right. yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And you're right. I mean, I think it really rolls off the tongue. And that's a cool little line about I did not even make that connection at all. Your name being J-O-S-E-F. And replacing that pH. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so obviously, you know, we're in this lockdown situation. So sadly, you know, live music is kind of on life support now, which is really kind of bumps me out. And I hope that one day we can get back to where we were at live bands and stuff like that. But I want to ask, like, so how did you go about, okay, you've got your gear settled, you've got this stuff. Now you want to play shows. And I think you mentioned earlier, you had played shows in the past. So how did you go about getting that sort of quote-unquote touring band together? Was it just friends of yours or people you connected with or what? Yeah, definitely started with friends. The first iteration where we played as physics, like before the EP was dropped or anything, it was like two or three guys from the jazz department. And then after that, there was a bit of hiatus in the project. I was finishing up school. But like after I graduated and I started being like, all right, I'm going to put out a release and take this seriously. It was just me for a long time. And like for the EP, it's not a cohesive band for everything. Like I play all the instruments on some songs. On some songs, there's a second drummer. On some songs, there's a third drummer. And, you know, following suit for the other instruments on the project. And honestly, it's kind of been in flux in terms of who's been with the group. I definitely went through a period where I really wanted it. Like I wanted to find like two or three other guys to really like commit to it and make it like a band and share everything, including like, you know, the promo and the expenses and the vision. But all my friends that were like on the level that the level of instrumental performance that I wanted for the live shows, they were already so busy with like six other bands and they had weekly gigs or they were working at a studio. So none of my friends in New York were like looking to make that kind of commitment to one project. And I had it in my head, like, I just want to do this thing. Like, 
I just want to focus on something and like blow the fuck up and then worry about other shit. Right. So, so just over time, it just, by the time I put the EP out and I like bankrolled all that and drove it myself and then putting the shows together, I was always putting together different bands. I was just like, you know what? It's just like, I'm physics the same way like Bon Iver came out and was like one dude the same way like Annie Clark is St. Vincent like it's just her project Mm -hmm. and then the other pieces like come and go right before quarantine hit though I was playing with a regular band and it was it was a quartet so it was myself and then my good buddy Mitchell Chang on keys and then Lily Stern on bass and then my other dear friend Bo Cadigan on drums and the two of them I knew just from growing up playing jazz different schools and stuff and then Lily I met through Bo at a party so nice yeah nice that's awesome and yeah it's it's always dope when you're able to just connect with people like that and then end up doing something so yeah I mean when was the last time you played a show with that crew or any live show I think the last live show I did was, <laughs> oh, it was a funny show. I forget if it was at Brooklyn or Manhattan, but either way, I was playing solo, like just me and guitar. And yeah, that was the last time. And then we had a gig booked for the Friday that NYC got shut down, essentially. Like it was March 19th or something. And we were excited because it was going to be the first full band show in about two months like i've been doing solo shows and shit so everyone was really hyped and yeah then it got shut down and that was that yeah i know yeah as soon as that hit all these shows are getting canceled left and right it was crazy yeah so obviously you sort of already had that studio vibe going you know your own passion project doing it yourself so how would you say this situation has has it changed that at all? I mean, obviously you're not playing shows, but have you found yourself sort of trying new shit in the home studio or is it just kind of the same as it ever was being that you already sort of had that foundation and you would put out stuff with this sort of bedroom recording, if you will? Yeah, it's definitely changed it overall. I'd say that even pre-pandemic living in Brooklyn, it was I was still definitely living for, honestly, for the weekly rehearsals. Like, that was, like, my favorite part of the week was just, like, getting together with the other musicians and working shit out. You know, just really the process of it all. And the shows were great, too. But I kind of knew in the back of my head the way the music industry is now and just the kind of lifestyle I want to live and the quality of music I want to put out. I always kind of had this idea of, I should find a way to be popular enough through electronic means, through the internet, to like live off of that and then really just have the option to perform live when essentially I want to. Like, I don't want to be dependent upon the live shows. Just because I realized that, like, the couple musicians I knew who made the bulk of their money through live shows, which thankfully, like, pre pandemic, you could make a pretty penny doing that. So they were just like gone all the time and like, I've heard when you're on tour, it's just a lot of the time it's just like getting from point A to point B and you're doing the same show. So it's kind of like, you know, the start of the football season, like you're training, you're training and training. But then like that first game you play in a way is going to be like your peak. And then after that, you're kind of just doing the job for the rest of the season, for the rest of the tour. And then once Mm -hmm. you're off tour, like, yeah, the band is super hot, but like a lot of people, they need some time to recuperate and then they get back into the studio. 
and I mean, it's different for everyone. And obviously, like, the super successful people are just doing, like, all the shit all the time, it seems. But I kind of knew for myself that I was going to need to focus more on my own, like, recorded music output and just content output even before the pandemic. So if anything, it's it's been an accelerant for that, just diving in more, learning more about how to make the best quality recordings I can on my own or, you know, with my group of collaborators. Yeah, beyond that, the time, like just basically not leaving the crib has really allowed me to kind of purposely lose my mind with it. Like I've just gone in all all these directions intentionally. I've been like, let me just like go maximalist with it. Just like make as much shit as I can and go in crazy directions. And you know, a lot of it I'll never put out, but just being like, hey, I have all this time at home. I might as well capitalize on it and kind of go crazy with it. Just really dive in. It's been great. And I feel like it's recorded music wise. It's put me ahead compared to if I was doing the full-time job and doing live shows and recording, which was the wave I was on pre-pandemic. Yeah. So it sounds like you've just had more time and space to get creative with it. Cause like you said, with live shows, you know, you're prepping to do those shows all the time you're practicing and then it can take up a lot of time and energy too. And so you, you spend it on that and then maybe you're not as energized to go back home and create, but since you're just home all the time now, it's like, why not try all these different things out and experiment and do whatever? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, do you feel like you've taken any sort of crazy, like, new direction or anything, you know, a new vibe or whatever we can expect to hear on the next project that maybe you weren't expecting to do earlier? Definitely. Yeah, I put out a single recently. I've been putting everything out first on YouTube because I think it's better for creators in general. To me, it's just more of a fair deal than Spotify. So even though I'm, you know, pretty small, loyal fan base, I've been putting my shit out on YouTube and then dropping it on Spotify and the other platforms. Anyway, I have a, I put a track out, it's out everywhere now, called By Your Side, which is like, I call it a psychedelic country swing. It's just like a short, short and sweet love song. I've got another track coming out, which is just like an absolute curveball. And then after that, I'm going to start dropping singles that are going to be included on the debut album that I'm putting together. So my kind of strategy for that was let me just like put two or three singles out that are kind of just all over the place to continue this foundation of experimentation. Right. And, you know, my close friends and the people I'm collaborating with for the songs I'm putting together for the full length project, when I show them those tunes, they're like, oh man, this is different from your previous shit, but this like feels so authentic to you. So for me, like that's all I'm ever looking to do. And I'm really excited about the shape and the direction that the full length LP is taking. Yeah, I know if the, the single you just put out, like you said, it's more of like a, a mellow country song. You said the the next single is going to be more of a curveball. So if, if you're doing things like that on, on the debut album where you're just, again, throwing these different styles in there, I think if anybody heard your first EP, they're going to think that it's authentic to you because it's like, oh, we're used to him experimenting with all these sounds and making it all sound great. Word, yeah, that's, that's the hope for sure. It should be awesome. Totally. Yeah, I'm excited. Can we expect a release? ETA, you know, is there any sort of, obviously, I mean, these things are work in progress, but is there any time like you're trying to put it out? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say 
so I'm going to be dropping uh, that curveball single on not this Saturday, next Saturday, which is November 28th. So there'll be another single then. And then I have a remix or two coming out that some of my friends are doing for me probably early December. And then you can expect to hear the parade of singles that will be on the debut album. They'll start coming out like right in the new year and then hopefully drop the full length album in like February, March. Nice. On, um, yeah, how it all goes. So you just got an onslaught of music coming up. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And what's, uh, what's the new single? What's the title of the new single going to be? I'm not going to give the title just because it'll sound corny. But if you like see the title, <laughs> trust me, trust me. If you see the title, like when it drops on the IG, you're going to see the title. You're going to be like, that's whack as hell. But it's like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's clickbaity. So people are going to be like, that. people are going to be like, yo, what's this idiot up to? And then they're going to click on it and then they're going to listen to it. And they're going to be like, I'm never listening to this dude again. But then they're going <laughs> to, then the next thing was going to drop, which is like much more structured and put together. So I'll like get him back in and they'll be like, yo, this dude's just wild. That's the hope at least. That's the hope. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, I absolutely love that. <laughs> <laughs> right. that, that great, great sense of self right there. Um, <laughs> I feel like that was a better promo than just saying what it was called. <laughs> right, <it's> true. <laughs> because now I'm like, damn, okay. Like, yeah, like, now I'm like, I got to know how corny this name is. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm about to throw those post notifications on IG now. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope though yeah and it's awesome that sounds like you've kind of obviously it sucks that we're all sat down and we're all inside but it kind of sounds like you've got the next step all queued up and developing the project first and then kind of picking the singles from there obviously it's a great way to keep people's interest and just kind of drop those things with some regularity leading up to the album in the winter spring of next year yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, unfortunately, it seems like people are just going to be at home in the crib and the days are cold and dark and long. So, yeah, hopefully I have a captive audience for it all. It seems that way. Yeah, it'll give them some new music to listen to during those times. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's what we need. And yeah, I mean, it's dope and I'm excited for the project. Thanks, yes, man. I'm here. Yeah, so Gabe, we want to do our usual send off. Go ahead if you want to do it, my guy. Yeah, might as well. I mean, I feel like you touched on what I'm about to ask a lot already. So I feel like it would be definitely something that should have a dope answer for. So basically, we just want to ask you, can you drop a name or names of somebody else, a neighbor of yours, quote unquote, doesn't have to be a real neighbor, doesn't have to be somebody near you geographically, but somebody you've collabed with in the past that you might want to just give a quick shout out to? Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Dogwood Last. It's the project spearheaded by my buddy Corey Burrell, who I have been absolutely enamored with since he um so I went to this performing arts high school, like a fame a fame high school, but like if it was on crack, like in the Lehigh <laughs> Valley. Like yeah, just like <laughs> really a weird place, but like an amazing place. Loved my time there. And I like shadowed there when I was in eighth grade. Anyway, the dude that gave me like the tour was this dude, Corey. And I just thought he was like cool as shit. He played guitar. He was in a ska band. He was talking to girls. 
I didn't do any of that shit yet. Anyway, <laughs> him and I, through my constant pestering, him and I have stayed in contact. He's living in Ridgewood these days. He helps out. He helped, like he did the trumpets and a bunch of production for that song, The Trail, on the Dalai Lama EP. He's like my go-to guy whenever I'm stuck on a tune. And yeah, his shit's dope. Check him out. You should definitely have him on the show. Dogwood Last. He's actually recording right now with his band. He's got quite the ensemble and yeah, they got a they got a lot of shit on deck and it's all great. It's like I call Dogwood Last like kind of like Bon Iver plus a little more rock and roll. They're great. Cool. I love that's that amazing. name. Yeah, that's dope. So Dogwood Last, L-A-S-T. L-A-S-T, yeah. Because he was he grew up, grew up on some street or cul-de-sac called Dogwood. And he was the last of his siblings to leave. Mm. <laughs> I like the inspiration. That's cool. That's dope. Yeah, we'll definitely check him out and, and we'll hit him up. And yeah, I mean, really dope convo. Love talking to you. Love the music. And, and we'll be tuned in for the next release from Physics. Thanks so much, guys. And yeah, on whatever, TikTok, Instagram, website, it's just Physics the Band. The Dalai Lama EP, we still got some limited edition, brand new shrink-wrapped glitter cassettes mm-hmm. on the website, Ooh. on Bandcamp. Don't sleep. We got a new president on deck. You need a new cassette <laughs> for your deck. You got to get one before they're all gone. I got them imported from Canada. Shit's crazy. Nice. And anybody listening at home, make that purchase on Friday, Bandcamp Fridays. Ooh, good call, Very Brian. true. Very true. You know, I think Damn. that's so dope that they're doing that. Yeah. I'll yeah. definitely be doing that this Friday, and yeah, keep it locked. Friday, I believe the deal is that on Fridays, all of the profit goes to the artists, right? Or yeah, some is donated. Like yeah, it's dope. I mean, I've always loved the platform. So, but yeah. Anyway, dude, great talking to you, and have a great rest of your day, and enjoy this beautiful state of Jersey that we all currently <laughs> find ourselves in. Stay Long warm. live the Garden State. Stay warm. All right, guys. Thanks exactly. so much. Exactly. All right, man. Thanks again dude. for being on the show. Absolutely. Peace, my guy. All right. All right. And everybody at home, thank you for listening as always. I'm Gabe. D- you're Gabe. I'm Gabe. <laughs> I'm Gabe. We are, we are one. <laughs> We're one on this show. But I'm Brian. Just making sure everybody's paying attention. At right, right, right. <laughs> You're Brian. I'm Gabe. I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm Gabe. And we're signing off, y'all. Have a great one. Be safe. And thank you again for listening. Later. Deuces.